0: I really need to practice with my bow. This is your host, Jordan Risky of the Nimrod Podcast brought to you by Prime Archery and Risky Outdoors. If you guys haven't already, get over to RiskyOutdoors.com. You can check everything out on our website. Also, do us a favor, get over to YouTube, subscribe to our channel. We would appreciate it. We're going to be rolling out some pretty cool videos here shortly, a turkey hunt, we're also going to be doing a series called Tracking Merlot where we are going to try to track a deer based off of its physical track. We have a buck on our property that is uh, very noticeable by his track or at least we think it's him. Um, super wide eight point. Uh, he was a three and a half year old deer last year. Just a good solid deer. So we're going to kind of do some track traps i guess you could say we're gonna set some cameras and um do a lot of that and we're gonna to try to catch him on film track him find out where he's bedded and then hopefully cassandra myself or really i'm hoping that we get jake on this deer and um yeah he has the opportunity to harvest him so really cool stuff in the pipeline it's coming for you um just wrapped up our 2018, 19, 20. It's 2019, piece 2019 turkey season, and uh, it did not disappoint. <clears throat> um, Jake and I did not kill a bird, but it did not disappoint. We were on birds almost every time we went out. We had our share, fair share of opportunities to harvest some good birds. Um, trying to do it with a bow. All season up until like the last week, we we put up uh, a pop up and tried that um, with no luck. Um, I was fortunate enough to get a couple shots off with the bow, nothing close enough, um, and yeah, it just didn't turn out. And I wanted to fail with my bow. I didn't want to take out a gun. Um, that being said, Jake and I both. If if we started out with a gun, we would have been done really early in the season. We could have killed some some birds pretty easily with with a shotgun, but just waiting for the right time with a bow and it didn't happen, but I learned a lot. I'm not a really big turkey hunter, but I had a I had a blast doing it. So, um, Enough of enough of me talking. I am flying solo today, but we have a really good podcast in store for you as we get Rick on the phone to talk about some big whitetails, um, and he has some pretty cool stories. So we're gonna jump into that podcast as we get Rick on the phone. All right, so we have Rick on the phone now. Uh, thanks for joining us, Rick. We we appreciate you coming on on the show. You're um, I want you to go ahead and kind of tell a little bit about yourself, what you do, and then kind of how you got into deer hunting. Hi, my name is Rick Rindle. Uh, I've been hunting primarily in Michigan for probably 30 to 35 years now. Uh, right now, I'm uh, a quality person uh, at a steel factory. I've uh, been doing that for 26 years. So, I had a great career doing that. Uh, first and foremost, family and hunting. Gotcha. Uh, so what's your preference are you are you a big bow hunter gun hunter what's your what's your cup of tea Biggest preference I
1: would say is bow hunting.
0: Okay. Big bow hunter. All right. That's awesome. What uh who's who's that one person that got you into into the bow hunting world? I would say my neighbor. Uh, back when I was probably
1: 13 14 years old. They took me hunting and I didn't grow up hunting with my father or anything like that. Uh did grow up in a great family, but they just weren't hunters. I got kind of hooked up with the neighbor guys. Uh, they were much older than me, but they kind of showed me the ropes and got me
0: going in it. And I drove my little brother into it, and we're still going today. Awesome. That's that's interesting. Not a lot of people have a neighbor. That's, that's really cool because I'm always pushing people to get more and more people involved in the outdoors. I have a, a neighbor over here that... Um, They've asked me about their their kid wants to get in into deer hunting and uh, it's that's awesome that's that's different. I've not heard that one yet on the podcast. It's usually uh, you know a, a dad or a brother or someone along that lines. Um, usually my co-host Jake, but I'm flying solo today. He he had a neighbor that uh, really pushed him and got him into the archery side and more of the technical stuff. So. That's 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 pretty cool. I, lo- I like hearing that. I like hearing that other people are pushing non family members into it. So that's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah,
1: he, he kind of took a lot of neighborhood kids under his wings growing up, and you know, grew up in the country. So uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty primarily what they did. They um, worked on their horse farm with him, and he kind of drugged me into it one day, and we hooked every since.
0: Awesome. So you said you primarily hunt Michigan. Where else have you hunted?
1: Hunted uh, in Ohio, and then uh, it was primarily just Michigan, Ohio, Ohio one time, and then uh, just primarily Michigan
0: all the time. Okay, okay. What was it like hunting in Ohio? Slow. Yeah. Very, very slow. Very slow. That's interesting because everyone's yeah, breed. I was only there
1: for a couple of days. wasn't a real track property.
0: Okay. Uh, was more of a tag along. So yeah. Okay. I gotcha. That's the that's all the rave right now. Everyone's talking about Ohio, Ohio, Ohio. But I'm also hearing from people that are going down there or have been going down there that it's becoming that type of state where they're getting a lot of out of staters now getting down there because it is an over-the-counter tag. So interesting. Well, I'll let's uh I, I would as, I, mean, I don't want to assume, but I'm going to ask you kind of what's your what's the best hunt that you've ever been on? I assume it's this deer that you sent me pictures of, but if not, I definitely want to hear another story.
1: I would have to say October 8th of twenty fifteen. That's my son
0: shot his first buck, and I was with him. Okay, um, awesome. That would have
1: to be the highlight of my of my hunting career.
0: Really, that's so cool. I I know uh, I know you know my brother Josh and. He he kind of says the same thing. I, I don't have kids yet, so I don't understand that. But hey, I I respect it. That's awesome. What was that hunt like? Like, um, give me the situation. Uh, uh, he had a spike, an
1: eight inch spike. Uh, it was in the evening. I uh, wasn't sure on the shot, so we basically, you know, went in doubt, we got out. Uh, he had school the next day. Uh, this is our buckles class, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was, a long day for him. Uh, within that, uh, when we got out of school, we went back out, and uh, I was lucky enough to record the whole thing. I had a good idea where it was at, uh, but he basically got to do the recovery and follow the blood trail and everything himself. So, and you know, the look on his face is pretty much priceless.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I've I've been with my niece and nephews when they've when they've recovered their deer and like you're saying, it it is, it's special, just like capturing that moment. And that's so cool that you got to film it. Now was that yeah. was that t- during the youth season or was that during the actual uh rifle season? It was
1: actually
0: the archery season. Oh. The oh, good for him. Good for him. That's awesome. So that's a, a much debated question that um we get speaking of the crossbows what's your what's your take on it are you are you for them or are you kind of like for them but with regulation like what's your thoughts on crossbows
1: i am not i i'll be honest when I, when they started coming up in the past uh, i was a big matthews guy and i was one of those guys that stood up and said i'll never use one okay uh, the three four years uh, my son, like I said, he got his at fifteen was a borrowed crossbow that we bought for my brother-in-law, and uh, then my daughter got one the following year
0: with the same crossbow, and so I decided to go buy one, and that's what we're all using today. Awesome. Okay, I, I, I I'm not, I'm not for them or against them. I'm, I'm kind of neutral because there's, there's a lot of good arguments on both sides. Um, but the, the whole youth, and then. Also, Cassandra makes a good argument every time we talk about crossbows. she said there's there's people that that are very hardworking guys and girls that just don't have the time anymore to to uh, get out and shoot their bow. and it's it's way more ethical for those type those people. Um, like people that have kids, and there's a you know, in sports and activities, and a lot of time gets eaten up. And she always talks about the ethics of it and how it's yeah. such a more ethical ethical way to hunt. Absolutely, the ethics behind it. I think it encourages the youth, uh, females to hunt as well. Uh, it keeps the opportunity alive for our older generation, for, uh, sure. for somebody that's disabled people and things like that. It, there's a lot. It provides a lot of opportunity I think for everyone. For sure, I grew up and my uncle had had polio and only had one arm, and he he was a diehard hunter and he crossbow. So I grew up with a with one of my um mentors in the hunting world always using a crossbow. So that's why I'm kind of neutral. Like I, I can't I can't say I'm for them and I can't say that I'm against them. So that's really cool though that your son had that opportunity, especially during the the actual archery season a lot of a lot of kids are fortunate enough to harvest deer in that youth season and i love the youth season i think it's such a good a such a good thing that michigan does um
1: totally we we just struck out so we had to keep
0: going yep yep no i get it i get it that's it's it's awesome that you because i like that youth season too because it's very easy to pattern deer and um get on deer that early and it, it's just such an enjoyable, enjoyable experience for kids just to see a lot of deer because they're they're so hung up on, you know, ag fields and things like that and food source. They're slaves of their to the food that early and then late in the season, and that's that's awesome though. Congrats on that. Congrats to your your kid on harvesting uh, his first buck too. So, um, yeah so let's jump into this this deer that you harvested was it you said 2018 2016 2016 so you sent you sent me a picture of a buck that for michigan is is a very very special deer so kind of kind of walk us through if you have any had any history with this deer um just yeah give us the nitty-gritty on him well honestly jordan i've got about nine hours history with
1: <laughs> uh, I shot him on November 3rd and I saw him the morning of November 3rd about 9 a.m. And I, I was basically, I put a stand up in this field just for my vacation. And, uh, and when I put the stand up, I, I put it up the night before when I was leaving. I put it up in the dark, uh, knowing I was going to come back in the morning uh, with the sun at my back. And that's where I sat. And I typically sit till 11, 12. And it was about 9.30. The steer came out of a, a little wash drain that was crossed about an 80 acre field. I came up out of the drainage ditch and just cut the tar corner of the field about 80 yards away. And I uh, went into a little woodlot, which I know on the back side of it has a really good bedding area and things like that. So I assume that's where he went. And just from my experience of hunting this property, uh, I know that pr- primarily when they go in there at night, they come back out to it. It was a cut corn or cut beans at the time. I just kind of, you know, gut feeling that he was going to come back in that field that evening. So, uh, of course, after seeing him, I basically I sat till about 1.15 in the afternoon. <laughs> I got down and left for primarily 40 minutes. I ran back to my house and grabbed anything I could to eat, and I grabbed a decoy.
0: Okay. And that was the
1: first time I ever used a decoy.
0: Okay. And... and uh, I got the decoy.
1: I actually bought some turkey decoys off a lady, and uh, she was just getting rid of some things, and she had basically a whole package deal. I bought three turkey decoys and this buck decoy. It was the bucky one, uh, the hollow body. I bought that. It had been sitting in my garage for a couple of years and never dreamed of using it. And after seeing this deer that morning, uh, I was at
0: the point of I got to throw out everything I have because we're only you know, two weeks away from gun season. Mm-hmm. And
1: it would this be my only chance?
0: Okay. So, so with that, uh, so, where we're, Did you, was this, did you have it as a buck decoy or a doe decoy? It was a buck decoy. And I took uh, one of the antlers off
1: as a six point decoy. And I took left one side of it off just so he looked inferior. Okay. And just seeing it on TV and a magazine so salon before, uh, when I, I got it on my garage, uh, sprayed it down really well. Uh, uh, put killer all over it just to make sure there was nothing residual from my garage or anything like that just to try to get all the cards in my favor. I mm-hmm. uh, put it out at 20
0: yards. My only fear that evening if you did come out is that, that uh, stand facing directly west and the sun was obviously coming down so it was glare right in my face all night. Yeah, and,
1: and picking me off from the glare.
0: <laughs> yep. That was
1: my biggest concern that night.
0: Huh.
1: So uh, leading up to it I was 430 quarter to 5 I had some smaller bucks and there was probably a dozen of those that came in the uh, cutting field and he trailed them out and two of the smaller bucks came up to the decoy and they were kind of spooky around it Mm -hmm. and it got his attention he started walking
0: and the only thing I could think at the time because I had never used one before is just from watching you know TV shows and things that he's going to circle around and get behind it which he never did he basically walked directly to it right face to face Really? And quarter,
1: yeah. and quarter weight was lost. It was at twenty eight
0: yards, and then or never. That's. So I let it. That's awesome. I have, I I've always contemplated on using a decoy. Um, so this is this is very interesting. I've I've never seen. Like, never seen it used in, in Michigan, and I've never seen it or heard of it somewhat. This is the first person I've ever heard successfully do it in Michigan. Um, just because, uh, like, our... Honestly,
1: the, the guy that mounted the deer for me is a good friend of mine and a neighbor. And, of course, when I, when I shot this deer on the 3rd, I let him lay overnight just because I didn't want to go it up. And I thought, you know, this is, I, I see him go through him, but it's that, that fear of him getting back up. So I just I called it a day and obviously didn't sleep at all. Uh, that field was probably 80 to 90 yards across, and he went maybe
0: 95 yards. He leaked into the weeds, and that's where they. that's the, the picture that I sent you was him in the weeds. Mm hmm. But 85, 10 yards up here to the Okay. So, so, that's the he made it. <laughs> so did he run back towards the the batting that he came out of?
1: Yeah, towards back towards the brain is just where I see him in the morning.
0: Okay. So, so this is interesting. So, so you're facing. So, I, I just kind of want to paint this picture. So, you're facing west, looking out into a cut bean field. Where, where is this bedding area located? Be to the south. To the south. Okay. So, do you have a hedgerow then to the north of you? Yeah. Okay. So you're. Yeah, it's uh, the whole field is basically hedgerows all the way around it. Okay. So, it's so mature tree. Okay, so what's on your what's in your backdrop? Like, what's behind you? Or are you just sitting in a, in a hedgerow? No, there's a wood lot behind me. Okay. I had another stand probably 20 to 30 yards from the spot that I shot this deer. And I just from past experience
1: over the years, I've seen quite a few deer in this field and I always wanted to basically hunt that field or get closer to it so I could have opportunity over there. I felt I was in a good position because there's a swamp and there's water and things in front of me mm-hmm. and a good bedding area. So uh, which I wish I had you no know, kill deer out of there. I you know, wish killed 120, 130 class out of that stand that I had originally in there. But I bought this stand specifically to try this, just to get on that field and see
0: how it works. Okay. So, so this is, so this was like a, a virgin sit. Like you've ne- you never sat in this field or on this field no. edge this first time you actually were up in that stand. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Do you think that played like a really big factor in in you harvesting that deer, or do you think it was more of the deco- decoy? I think it's
1: the element surprise. I, I, I would assume the decoy had something to do with it, because that's where his attention was at. He never once looked up. He he was locked under the decoy. He did put his ears back and.
0: That's awesome, that's really cool. And then, obviously, I mean, too, like you facing the sun and knowing that glares on you, and then setting that decoy. Obviously, he's gonna be he's gonna be sucked into that decoy and really not. Especially, you said November, November third. Yes. So uh, he's 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 rotting. Um, yes. Wow, that is that's pretty cool. So you're facing west. Did you have a a west wind then? Yeah, it was coming out of the west. It was in my face, So, yeah, it opened it. Everything was ready. Right except, you know, being able to see well because of the sun. Okay. Do you oh, guys... The me. <laughs> gotcha. Do you guys run um, trail cameras or anything like that? Yeah,
1: I run two or three trail cameras
0: out there. Okay. I, I, didn't have, I have pictures of other you know, mature bucks out there, but I have some at night that could possibly be him, but they're not clear enough to say for sure if it is him in... It's at a distance in the camera or something else triggered it though, or whatever it is in the background. Okay. But as far as it actually from the first time on the hook to the harvest is about nine hours. That's, that's wild. Especially because, like, in Michigan, like, you, you, when there's deer of, of the size of this one that you shot, like, you hear about it. Like, you have neighbors that talk about it and, and other hunters that talk about it. So, um that's this is this is really cool because um, I'm trying to figure out where I'm going. So this deer is obviously probably probably living in that area that he came out of that bedding area. And then for Absolutely. you for you not to get a picture of him, I mean it just kind of shows that you know I mean and you're running some cameras. How if you don't mind me asking, how big is this chunk? Like how many acres? 125 acres. 125. Okay, so it's a it's a pretty good chunk of ground. Yeah. So he could he could skirt cameras and a lot of guys. I'm yeah. are are talking and about it's, it's,
1: the whole surrounding area is all agriculture. I know the uh, the, the plot behind ours is over 700 acres owned by one person. Uh, there's a big farm across the road that's around 2,000 acres all together. So I mean, it's there's there's not a lot of uh, people and you know, that
0: things to really stir them or change their patterns, or you know, there's a lot of hiding places. <laughs> gotcha. That's that's interesting. Very interesting. I mean, so you're you're setting. I mean, you have. I mean, 125 acres is still a really big chunk of ground, but you're setting in inside of like that. I mean, a couple thousand acres is absolutely giant for Michigan. You hear of guys hunting 40, 10, 20 acres. That's that's pretty cool. So you're kind of the cream of the crop. You're the, you're the little guy in the middle that's killing big bucks. That's awesome. Yeah, and I know the, the, you know, the surrounding areas that they do things with food plots and things
1: like that, uh, primarily at the Property Right Hunt, which is a, a family property that I was lucky enough to
0: marry into. So. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, with that, the, uh, you
1: know, I know the guys in the area. I've, I've talked to a couple guys that lease property around there and, you know, that, that's kind of their thing they come down uh, there's one guy that comes over from the uh east side of the state and uh and he, uh, he uses a two-acre track and with that you know, he's after 140 150 class a year that's all he'll shoot uh same with you know there's the, the guys you know in that area that's what a lot of guys you know let the smaller bucks go. You know, and I think that's that's a huge advantage
0: gotcha so how how far was he when you saw him in the morning
1: I would say 80 yards 90 yards
0: 80 90 yards okay a lot of guys are shooting that now with crossbows like not, okay. <laughs> not even thinking twice and I think that's crazy but that's crazy I mean uh, them, I think you know it's everybody should shoot within their capabilities to make a clean ethical
1: shot uh, you know you can mess up a 10-yard shot Yeah. You know, even 10 yards. It's not, you're not assured success at 10 yards. You know, we've all been there and, you know, made bad shots at five yards at our tree. So, you know, I try to stick to my rules 25 to 30 yards at max. That's my comfort zone. And, you know, I've let some pretty nice deer walk away because they're at, you know, 40, 50 yard range.
0: Gotcha. That's, that's pretty good. I, I, I try to keep my max at, at 40, like when I'm hunting whitetail and then, out west i extended a little bit just because one elk are just a a lot bigger your kill zone is a lot bigger mule deer are a lot bigger um than a white tail and your your actual clean and ethical kill is your kill zones are are significantly larger but 40 yards is my absolute max for 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 white tail so that's pretty cool i mean that's a—he's a heck of a buck. If you don't mind me asking, if you do now, what what did he score?
1: He net scored at one seventy four and five
0: One seventy four and five eights? And five yep. Holy smokes! That's not
1: officially by any, by any stretch, but I, he was scored by the taxidermist
0: on it. Oh my gosh, that's that's an absolute tanker of a buck. He's big. Absolutely. He's he's really big. Cause I was, yeah. you sent me the pictures when I first started chatting with you. I was like, "Holy smokes, he's he is yeah, a yeah." I don't know if I got enough time left to
1: make that happen.
0: That's crazy. That's so cool. How do you how do you feel he got to that age, especially in such a high pressured state? Like, what do you think were the factors? I already discussed with the uh, surrounding people that do hunt. Uh, you
1: know, they are after the mature deer. And uh, like I said, you know, me not knowing this deer was there, uh, obviously after I did taking, there was a guy that uh, got a hold of me and you know, he had some pictures of it. And you know, I got a congratulations, but I don't think it was very sincere. <laughs> <So. laughs>
0: well, I don't know that it would be. A 178 plus inch deer is. That's heartbreaking when you have pictures of him and then your neighbor sends you a picture of him dead.
1: Yeah, they they had definitely had their eye on this deer. Uh, but it's you know it, it's timing. Yeah, you have the right place at the right
0: time. I think that's a lot of what hunting is. And you know, first and foremost, you got to be there. You, you can't get one sitting on the couch. Yeah. You got to put your time. You, know, you can be out there five minutes and it happens. You can be out there for two months and you know before you see something that's you know, worth getting your heart, you know, hammering over. So. Yeah, and that's we had Chad Vincent on here last week, and he he kept saying, "Oh, my cousin, I think he'd probably deserved it more than I did." And someone and told or someone told me this once, and it's it really stuck with me. Is nobody deserves to kill a whitetail? Like it's it's never yours. Yeah. Like you can't you can't think of it that way. Like all these. These guys are talking. Oh, I got this one big buck, and you know, he's, essentially you're growing him on your property. And thing is, you can't be mad when he crosses the fence and your neighbor shoots him. I mean, yeah. I, last year, we had, a, I would say, a 140
1: class that I had many pictures of, and was going to try the same setup in the same field and everything. I never got a chance at the deer. I never saw him during both season, and I don't think they had gun, the guy across the road from the property guy. So, which I mean, it's all great because he's a very, he's an older gentleman and you know it's, that's all he does is gun hunt and you know
0: it was probably a great moment for him. Yeah, and that that's that's so true. I mean, it's a lot of guys get bent out of shape about it. And thing is, like, they're they're free range animals and it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean. I've heard of guys getting in some serious arguments and super bitter about other people shooting a deer that they were, you know, a three and a half year old that was 130 inches and you should have let it go. And I'm like, no, like it's on that guy's land that got his heart thumping. He wanted to harvest it. It's probably his biggest deer. Be happy for the guy. So no, that's, that's really cool. Um, so, I want to jump more into a little bit about your your property and kind of how it sets up, um, if you could explain it a little bit. Uh, the thing, uh, like I said, it's family property. Uh, I, I'm lucky enough to marry into so my wife's got a great marriage policy. <laughs> that she's
1: never heard without me. Uh, but it's uh, primarily all agriculture with uh, hardwood with property lines. Uh, around all the fields, there's two hardwoods within it. Uh, It does have a swamp that does hold water uh, by 50% of the year. Uh, Outside of that, uh, there's a two-track that runs down the center of it. Uh, That's mainly for tractor access, combine access, and things like that. Okay. uh, That's what we use for getting in and out. Uh, We use the tree lines to our advantage. The two-track that uh, I go in on, it does lead back to the field that I typically hunt where I harvested this buck at. Uh, it's a short trip down the two-track, uh, so it's, it's kind of in a gully. So you, you're a little lying, so you, you had that to your advantage. Uh, it's so there's other there's some kind of activity in that area, so they're kind of used to some of that. Yep. Uh, where I typically park at, and then I walk probably a quarter mile back. So where my
0: stands are located, up. Gotcha. So uh, where, is your access from the what side of the property, like north, south, east, west? North side. It's from the north side. Yeah, north side, yeah. From the road, I'm probably
1: a quarter mile off the road. Okay.
0: Maybe a bit more. So, so. yeah, it's, a, it's a hike. <laughs> gotcha. Is your is the property set up kind of kind of like a rectangle or is it more square? Like what what's what's kind of the shape of it? A rectangle. What is it? Rectangle. A rectangle. Okay. And it, it, it's got a large pinch point at the back that goes into a swamp and stuff like that. Uh, at the back of the
1: hardwoods, uh, at my back where the stand was at, it comes to a big pinch point. Uh, where there's water, and there's a lot of acorns in the area. And uh, obviously, with agriculture, uh, they rotate out beans and corn. So, you know, there's I, I've never thought about putting a food plot or anything like that back there. Having I mean, that it
0: yeah. there for a
1: you know, hundred acres of food you know, every
0: year for them. So. Yeah, that's that's the other thing that like I'm I'm doing a. I have a couple questions going to pro- onto the property, but first, I'm doing a lot of researching on like the whole food plot thing, and like what's what's your ultimate goal? And it's it's not a food source; it's it's more of like a it's an attractant is what a, a food plot is because Michigan has got so much agriculture that that a food a food plot's not it's not like sustaining deer. Deer are getting their their main food sources. Ag fields and browse and things like that. A food plot is just ice cream. Yeah, it's it's, it's more than anything. Yeah, it's a personal opinion. My it it is attractive. Uh, I've never really worried about baiting and things like
1: that. I know there's a lot of debates out there on the the baiting and the baiting bands and should we bait, should we not bait. Uh, That gets into diseases and all the other stuff that everyone's on the forefront of the news when it comes to hunting, but... Yeah, uh, it's just never really been in my game bag to do you know the dating and stuff like that. We have used mineral pits for by our cameras just for early season and things like that.
0: Yeah, uh, just you know to check what calendar you're out there and inventory
1: see what like
0: this year what they look like. Yeah, so this is an inter. I'm I'm not gonna say I, I'm I plant a lot of food plots just because my ground that that we're on is. Uh, I Cassandra and I own 116 acres, and it's pure swamp. There's like nothing but swamp. So we cleared out a couple areas, and and we are putting some food source because we're holding a lot of does, a lot of does. And come rut, we're having a lot of bucks come onto our property, and they're staying on our property throughout like October 25th to. Into guns, se- I mean, well, into gun season because we're not big gun hunters, so we don't push in there a lot. We more so sit back and wait till, you know, that that early five six day rush is over in the gun season, and then we kind of get back in there with our bows again after all the deer kind of settled down for a little bit, just kind of build that safe haven. But we we wanted some late season food source, and we're sitting we're sitting in. It's weird because I've never hunted an area like what we are. Or in a bunch of vineyards. And I don't know how much like grapes and things that deer eat and with their brows on like the leaves or vines or anything like that. So it's been a huge learning experience for us. But I wanna get back to your access. So I'm in the same situation. So I am accessing our property from the north and it's set up um, a rectangle, very similar to kind of what you are. Um, we have a two track that goes down the middle of it till about a third of the way back and then it splits and we can go down the west side of our property or this year we're able to go down the east side. We built kind of like a railroad track with logs because of how wet it is. So when you're walking down, are is that two track like Smack down, dab through the middle of your property the whole way down, and you're accessing from the north, so you're walking south. And are you ever are you ever worried about blowing deer out when? Because we predominantly have a west wind here, or northwest wind in Michigan. And are you ever worried about blowing all those deer out to the east?
1: Yeah, we have. I don't (laughs) know we get it every time without you know no problems, but. Uh, typically, so with that woodlock to my back and that big pinch point back there, uh, if I can make it, know, uh, after I, where I park at and get out and make it halfway, I'm usually pretty safe because the, the layout of the land,
0: but okay. um, so it's kind of low lying, So uh, with the, the banks of the, the two tracks have probably 10 foot banks on both sides. Oh, awesome. Uh, it's, it's almost hard to see out into the fields on both sides. So you kind of can use that to your advantage when it comes to the wind
1: and things. A uh, big you know, person on scent control, you know, I don't think you can do too much for it. Um, you know, as far as keeping your clothes in tubs and using sprays and, you know, taking your stuff off before you get in your vehicles, And which I you know, I, I didn't always do those things. It's just that's something I've learned after, you know, hunting. I used to hunt a lot of high-pressure areas where, you know, if you got a six-point, great. You know, that, that was great. And lucky. Mm-hmm. And then once I got you know the chance to hunt this property and you know, started seeing what this property holds, you know, that kind of changed my way of thinking. You know, as far as you know, that's kind of what changed me into you know trying to get a mature deer. More is you know
0: just the success of that and seeing what you know patients will do for you and doing the right things. Gotcha. So this this is interesting too, Rick. I, I love this because. You're you're kind of like the complete opposite of me and what a, what a couple people are telling me to do. So on, on the scent control aspect, like I'm – and we've said this because Jake, my usual co-host, his witness says, like I'm eating McDonald's on my way to the tree stand. I am wearing my camouflage. I'll walk around our house in my camouflage. My wife's got – Candles burning and those little plug-in Glade dispensers yeah. everywhere. My whole, exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm the I'm the complete opposite. And then my buddy who's riding in the truck with me has got his stuff in scent lock bags inside of a scent lock, like bolted shut bucket things. And I'm just like, this is absolutely crazy. So yeah. I used to be the guy. I- not to pump gas in my clothes <laughs> I wasn't I, I do that too I literally pump gas wearing my camo yeah I have and I think you
1: know it's just seeing what's out there and you know I try to not get hung up on the TV shows and you know kind of what you know, it's, it's turned into on TV with the popularity of you know some of the, the hosts of shows and things like that and you know it, yeah, if I had to you know pick anybody you know to kind of mimic uh, their style and things I would say Adam Hayes. I I read a lot about him and the things you know, I seen a show uh, at the twenty years ago when Steve Gruber was still doing T V shows on hunting. He went down to Ohio and interviewed Adam Hayes and yeah I was really impressed with the guy because you know he was doing twenty years ago what we're uh, you know, most of us are doing today with cameras and you know logging what deer we see and things like
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, he's pretty, pretty inspirational
0: guy. That is Obviously, awesome. You With
1: know, 200 inch deer and as many as he's gotten, you know, he knows his
0: stuff. He knows what he's doing. So, what you're yeah. saying that what you're saying is I should take no and start worrying a little more about my scent control, and I might be able to shoot 170 plus inch deer. Yeah, yeah,
1: you know, was a good factor for me. And, you know, and that I think that's some of it for me is you know. It, it's
0: That's something that, like Jake and I, talk about a lot. Is you know, this turkey season was extremely successful for both of us. We didn't kill a bird, either of us, but it was it was probably one of the best turkey seasons that I've ever had. Simply, we didn't see many birds. We saw the same birds over and over and over, and we were just learning as we as we went. And dang near almost killed two birds today um but it you know just it just didn't come together but it yeah it it was still successful because we both learned a ton and i'm not a big turkey hunter but um back to the white tail uh i have a guy that i hunt with in in illinois and he's big on virgin sits kind of like how you were in harvesting this buck and I'm I'm leaning towards um, looking at purchasing a, a tree saddle and being mobile all year and never hunting the same tree or tree stand um, like at all like I'm looking if I go into an area and it's a good spot and I want to get back in there I might move one tree over or two trees over and just kind of bounce around just so they're they're' I guess not getting familiar with anybody being in there or in the same spot. Because I think that is huge. I'm going to work on my scent control. I will do that this year because a lot of guys are telling me I need to. But I truly believe that y- you can't beat a buck's nose. You can put things in your... Oh, absolutely. You can you, <laughs> You can put things in your favor, like what you guys are doing with, you know, really taking care of clothes and getting dressed in the field and things like that. Like, it might buy you that extra second or two seconds. Like, I believe in Nose Jammer. I think it gives me an extra, you know, two, three seconds. And if I believe in that, like people are telling me, then you need to start taking care of your clothes because that might give you another three seconds. So. Yeah, a lot of the wind is huge. You know, uh, having those deer pattern,
1: obviously once the rut starts and, you know, all bets are off when it comes to pattern and deer, you know, you can see deer that you've never seen before. And when, you know, they can travel miles, you know, during the rut just to, be on another track of land. So, you know, once the rut starts, but, you know, then odds are in your favor because, you know, their mind isn't in the tree no more. So I think that helps, you know, that all those things can come together.
0: Definitely. So, Rick, one last question: Are you are you pretty selective on um, on your your days that you're going in and hunting, or are you? If I get the chance, I'm going in there. Or are you pretty minimalist on the number of days you hunt? I hunt as many days as I can really. Uh,
1: okay. Yeah, between working full time and uh, three kids and sports and everything else going on, uh, you know, I, I
0: typically take the first week of November off and. You know, that's no shade week, and I uh, sit in the woods from sun up to sundown. Gotcha. Uh, you know, the year, in 2016, when I shot this deer, four days before, I shot 120-inch nine-point,
1: and, you know, I was tickled to death with that, and I thought that was the end of it, you know, I could just put it in overdrive and just ride the season out, and I had meat in the freezer to, you know, feed my family, and a deer had to go on the wall,
0: and just, I just actually had you know, days of vacation left, so I, I just kept going, and you know, then this happened. That's so cool. I, I love that the story that you got him over a decoy, because I mean I've I've always wanted to do it because I'm an extremely aggressive hunter. Like I'm pushing into areas probably when I shouldn't, and um, I would much rather spot and stalk and hunt from the ground, things like that. So uh, I mean I can't do that a whole lot just because I self film everything and trying to do that while carrying a tripod and, and things and a camera is, is difficult. So it's much easier to get up into a tree and do it. But um, I I think the whole decoy thing is so fascinating to me. And I've always, always wanted to do it just because you can see how deer react when 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 they get aggressive because you don't get to see that a whole lot in Michigan. I mean. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was into that, you know
1: putting that decoy out there you know, thinking it's either going to work or it's not, it's going to you know, totally blow it up or you know, it's going to work out like it did. You know, Ironically, Jordan, the uh, guy that mounted that deer, uh, and I told him the whole story the next day. Once I went back in the morning and recovered this deer, I uh, stopped over at his house and you know, obviously he sat there for a few hours at all, you know, just shooting <laughs> the crap about it. Is what happened? And uh, then on November 5th, uh, he, he hunted some property, north of where we live at he some family property of his and he tried the same thing shot a 152 inch deer and he used a target versus a decoy he used a shot up target
0: (laughs) oh my gosh
1: and it it didn't have antlers and nothing on it and obviously it was just a a cheaper target that you'd buy Uh, it had Bird holes in it where it's been sitting out on, on the property and things like that and he just <laughs> stuck it out there and sure enough you know and he didn't have nothing sprayed because it's sitting in, the, in basically a fence line that he used basically to practice out of his stands out there at the property where he hunts and you know he said you know what the heck and he tried it and you know, that the night of the fifth I went out and helped him recover a 150 inch deer so lightning struck twice you know within miles of each other over decoys so
0: that you know, is crazy that's that's wild that is so fascinating i've i might have to try it this year i might have to bust out a decoy and give it a go or i might have to bust out my my deer target that i have out back that's got looks like 12 gauge slugs punched through the middle all that but that's pretty good but his, his head
1: doesn't hold it from birds building nests and things like that We're down for quite a while <laughs> <laughs> the silhouette and how he faced it and and the curiosity got to you know a very nice buck day. You know, he knew it was there. And he, you know, this guy does a lot of cameras and shares a lot
0: of things with me, and we bounce things off each other to try to learn and you know, continue to grow in the sport. And you know, so he said, "What the heck? I'll try it." And sure enough, you know, one day later he calls me in the evening to go get his. That's laugh and laughing, like he couldn't believe it worked. That's crazy. That's the biggest thing that I've. All the reading that I've done on the whole decoy thing is is how you set it up because, like you were saying earlier, nine times out of ten they're gonna circle around that deer and try to get downwind of it. And always people are saying set it upwind of you, so when he does circle, you're gonna be able to get that shot off before he hits your scent cone and all that stuff. But
1: yeah, it was about twenty, probably twenty four yards front of me, you know, facing the wind, and you know, I did it just like I read about, and but he just didn't act and react like, you know, everybody says they do, or like you see Antique, you know, how they circle around, you know, he, he definitely seen it, and he came to it, but he walked directly face-to-face with this thing, that's and cool. once he got, you know, five feet from it, he just kind of veered to his left, and even a broadside shot uh, at, you know, 26, 27
0: yards, and, that is crazy. That's so cool. I love it. Love it. That's, that's... He might have been
1: ready to circle around, but I wasn't going to wait around for this to find out.
0: <laughs> no, nope, so. no. Nope. If you have that shot at that that distance, you take it because who knows if he would have got you know on one side of it and just caught wind of just something. I mean anything, oh. boom, gone. You you take that opportunity when you have it for sure, but. Absolutely. All right, Rick. Well, I have the last two questions I'm going to ask you. Um, if you could tell your younger self one thing related to hunting that would make you or help you be a successful hunter, what would that one thing be that you've learned over the years that you wish you would have known a long time ago?
1: Patience.
0: Patience. Be patient. Okay. Yeah. That's- and then, listen my little brother. Uh, he's been pretty successful in the 140s and the 150s, and he's gotten rubbed in for many years. He's <laughs> a very patient hunter, he's always been. He's not, you know, as far as
1: using it as a food source to feed his family, he's not about going and buying food. So it's not a big deal if he doesn't get something. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of you know, progressed him into being a very patient hunter. And you know, finally, when I started listening to him, you know, you don't,
0: you're not supposed to listen to your younger brother, but uh, they're, they're kinda, You know, he he had he was the first to tell me he told you know, told me so. Yeah, you know, was, be patient. You're there. You just gotta be patient. So, so those buck that you killed is it's bigger than anything that he's ever killed. Yeah, absolutely. All right. <laughs> By 20, uh, inches, uh, he, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. My I just beat I just beat Josh this year. I mean, he's killed way bigger Michigan bucks than I have. But my buck that I killed in Illinois this year um, beat his by, I uh, was like 15 or 16 inches. So we a little brother is up on him right now. But I wouldn't. He's Gav is the one you guys got to worry about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a hack of – He's gonna kill some big deer. That he killed two bucks last year. A nice, uh, a real nice. I mean. It, I, I I mean this it was a really nice it's like a f- six or seven point, but I think this deer was four and a half or five and a half years old in no that was a that was a twelve that was a twelve point he shot one deer in the youth season i mean the twelve point is very impressive as well he's all palmated like you're saying and almost looks like he has got like moose paddles on his on the side of his yeah. horns but he shot one deer in the youth season that I filmed a bunch in velvet, um, and he he ended up harvesting that deer in the youth season, and it was in velvet. It was impressive, and then the pitchers don't do it justice. But it's a it was one of the coolest deer that I got. I've been able to like watch here in Michigan, and he's he's nothing special. He's not he didn't score high at all, but he was just an old. Just a really really cool deer. So, but yes, he is he's the one that we have to watch out for. Absolutely. He just needs to he needs to learn from his uncle Jordan and take a little bit, and then take a little bit from his dad, and not all from his dad. Because yeah, we don't we don't want that. He's got a
1: good
0: group of these, so I think he'll be alright. Yeah, I think he'll be okay. So. That's if that's if he stays out of trouble. He's and yeah, he's he's a heck of a baseball player too. So I I hope I hope they I hope that whole class they're they're a good class and a bunch of good athletes. So it's pretty awesome to watch. But all right, so the last question. This is as Chad Vincent put it. This is an all day all day sit type question. So if you could change one thing in Michigan to make it better. What would you like to see the state do to, to help deer hunting? I could see one thing I think would help many avenues of hunting is a single buck tag with no restrictions. Yep. And I see that
1: uh, simply, you know, I think if, you know, like my family, you know, we depend on deer meat. Uh, it's primarily our, you know, that's what we eat year-round. Uh, you know, we can go through two or three deer, but I think if, you know, if it was down to one tag, it would. It would encourage me to encourage my kids to get out more Mm -hmm. and and get people in, you know, that would help provide that food source, you know, for your families and get more people involved. Kind of as an offshoot of that, you're getting people involved in it. Yeah. I think, you know, I I, I say no restrictions simply because of the, the factor of, you know, some guys don't have time, some guys might only have two days to hunt a year. And, you know, if you put a restriction to an eight point restriction or you know you guys should have don first to this or that know some guys you know it might discourage people from hunting. yeah or you know depending on the not everybody gets you know the 116 125 acre you know trash of the land to hunt and you know some guys
0: have to basically do the 10 you know 10 acres it can happen on 10 acres but yeah um, sometimes yeah you have to take what you get so I would say you know no restrictions simply because of that yeah, but I think you would also
1: encourage you know people to think twice about you know hey I, I know there's two or three good deer here, here and here I have this you know fork horn and you know, I've taken fork horns myself it's but I think would make me as a hunter think you know I have time still to hunt you know I can be patient yeah and see
0: what happens yeah I like that I like the I like the the idea of the one buck tag no restrictions um, the other thing too like. My 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 buddy Brad always he, he talks about he goes, I need I need three deer to get my, my family, him and his wife and his two kids, to get them through till the next year. And then he'll harvest three more deer and then that'll get him through each year. If you go to the to the one buck tag, and he killed he he's killed multiple years, he's killed two bucks and a doe. And we were talking about this and he, he was a, a big advocate of the one buck tag because He's like, one. You're going to kill one buck, and then you're going to go out and you're going to shoot two does. And with Michigan, I think our doe to buck ratio is almost ten to one. And and it would it would help that. But then to your point, guys that are fortunate enough to hunt multiple days, they're going to be more selective. They are. They're not going to shoot four corns. They're not going to shoot spikes. They're not. The majority of them probably aren't going to shoot a six point because. I would argue ninety nine percent of people are running at least one trail camera now, and they got oh, a yeah. they got a picture of an eight point, and that's the deer they're after, and they're not going to shoot a four corn. So I like that. I like the one buck tag, no restrictions. I'm I'm not. It leaves a lot, a lot of opportunity, and it still gives the opportunity for me to eat to the does, and it helps out the doe population in Michigan. It and
1: I think there's a lot of offshoots of that. Yeah, I've been very fortunate. You know, in my 37 years of hunting, I've you know I've been multiple years where I've gotten two bucks, and really not had to worry about it. Or I get one, and my kids get one, and I don't really have to worry about it. You know, yeah, I'm definitely not above shooting bill, but I you know, just I haven't had to, so you know, pretty lucky there, I guess. Yeah, but I'm definitely not above it. And you know, feeding my family, and you know, we enjoy the meat, and that's what
0: you 90 know, percent of what we use is venison. year-round, so yeah, it's
1: definitely I would take advantage of the doe situation
0: if I had to. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's, I think that's right along the lines with most Michigan deer hunters and that's why there's a lot of fear with Michigan deer hunters worried about regulations or APRs or one buck tags or earn a buck or earn a buck tag, like you shoot a doe earn a buck tag type thing. A lot of people are worried about that simply because of the food aspect and my family is the same way. Cassandra and I been married going on like six years, and we have yet to purchase any beef because we we live off of venison, and I think that's the majority of Michigan hunters is that's our that's what we love, and it's a it's a good point. I I like it. I just want to see a healthier deer herd, and I've seen it hunting in Illinois and been fortunate enough to see deer in their natural state and. The buck-to-dough ratio is more where it's supposed to be, and just being able to witness that, I just wished everybody in Michigan could also witness it and have that same opportunity because we do have everything. Michigan's got the agriculture. We got the swamps. We got the river bottoms. We got the timber. We have potential to grow some of the biggest bucks in the country, but our but our regulations just, they're... They're not where they need to be, in my opinion, but that's that's a whole nother podcast. And we can, I, I mean, everybody could argue this till the till the cows come home. So Yeah, you know,
1: just my, my opinion on the whole thing you know, with that is, you know, it doesn't take legislation to change it. You know, us as hunters, we have control over what we do. Yep. You know, we have, we have that choice. You know, we don't need, you know, legislation in Lansing to say, you know, what we should do as far as hunting or this or that. You know, if, if we as a state feel, you know, and as a, as a hunting society feel that, you know, we should only take one buck. You know, we have that choice. We have that choice today to do those things. So, you know, yeah, it's am it, going to come down to You know, somebody's got to tell us what to do. Yeah, I'm sure it will someday, but,
0: yeah. you know, that's one. The other side of the coin is we already have that choice. We just, you know. We have to pursue it someday. Yep i I agree, and I think it is getting better. I mean, just be. And I hate to say this, but it is—it's the truth. Social media plays a big factor in that. Our youth want bigger deer. They want to—they want to kill bigger deer. Um, yeah. And I hate to say it, but it is social media. So it is pushing, pushing it to that way. Like, I mean, I've talked to my taxidermist. And and they've said that it's it's getting better. Like they're seeing bigger deer come in and not as many younger deer coming in. So I that's yeah. what I should say. Not bigger deer. They're seeing more mature deer coming in rather than, you know, your year and a half old or two and a half year old deer. They're it's moving towards that three and a half, four and a half year old bucks, which is which is great. It's good to see. So Yep, but all right. Well, Rick, I appreciate you coming on. I I don't want to take any more of your time, um, but I enjoyed hearing that story. And it's always good to talk to, to good old Michigan guys that are successful on some very special deer. And in, just to hear the way that you did it is so cool. I love the, the decoy strategy. If I give it a shot this year, I'm going to let you know. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks for having
0: me. Yep. Thanks again, Rick, for joining us here at the Nimrod Podcast. Uh, We appreciated your time. Pretty cool story. Shooting a very large Michigan deer over a decoy is something that is, frankly, unheard of. So, pretty cool to kind of chat with you about that. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for your time. Guys and girls, uh, we do have some Risky Outdoors gear we are going to be posting some pictures of. If you are interested, shoot us a private message via Instagram or Facebook, and we will get back with you on how to purchase that. We're trying to figure out a way and different ideas of creating an online store within our website. We're working on that. So until then, um, just message us and we'll tell you how you can purchase that. We have some hats and shirts. So... That being said, thanks again, guys, for tuning in this week. Stay stealthy and strive to become a Nimrod.